Hey, and welcome to Free Willow with Carden Podcast. I'm your host, Carden Wyckoff, wheelchair warrior and disability advocate based in Atlanta, Georgia. On this podcast, we believe in creating an accessible world strengthened by supportive allies to build inclusion and belonging. We share stories from people with various disabilities and help break down barriers for the disability community. If you like what you hear on this episode today, please rate, review, and follow this podcast. And I'll say it again, rate, review, subscribe, and follow to this podcast and share it with a friend. You can DM me on Instagram at freewheelinwithcardin and let me know your thoughts. Give me a follow. And if you want to come on the podcast and share your story of advocacy and strength, would love to connect with you. If you haven't downloaded the app, iAccess Life, it's a mobile app that rates and reviews places on the built environment to break down barriers and transparency on the bathroom, the interior, the parking, and any time that you go into a new place. You can find iAccess Life on Google Play and Apple App Store. Use the referral code CARDEN, C-A-R-D-E-N, when signing up. Today's guest is John Skirto. He's 23 and is from Boca Raton, Florida. He has a form of muscular dystrophy called spinal muscular atrophy, also SMA. He is currently an MBA student at the University of Florida and serves as a board of directors member for a nonprofit organization called Laughing at My Nightmare, which provides equipment to individuals living with muscular dystrophy. On this episode today, John and I talk about COVID and how that has impacted him and getting the vaccine. We also talk about representation in the disability community, in the entertainment industry, education, and how the accommodations that he's been given to be able to succeed in person and also in the digital world. And a lot of other stuff about just being disabled and what that's like. All right, enjoy. Hey, John, welcome to the podcast. How's it going? It's going good, Carmen. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, How are you doing? I'm doing well. This is a great day to record a podcast, talk about... We're going to talk about a lot of things. It, we were just chatting in our pre-interview, talking about education, getting your master's, talking about your disability club that you're leading at your college, and then also, or I guess your master's program, and then talk about just feeling different growing up as a child and... Yeah, I'm really excited. And the vaccine and COVID. So we got a lot of stuff to talk about today. So kind of give you the floor if you want to share uh, your journey growing up and what that was like. And we'll take it from there. Yeah, of course. So uh, I'm currently 23 years old. I live in Boca Raton, Florida. I have a condition called spinal muscular atrophy. It's basically a form of muscular dystrophy. And I pretty much need assistance with like all physical activities, I really only have use of a couple of fingers. And I use a power wheelchair to drive around. And just growing up, I spent a lot of time in the hospital. I would often get sick and that would turn into pneumonia. And there's been times where I spent like, I think over a hundred days in the hospital just one year growing up. So. Definitely in and out of hospitals a lot. But other than that, I mean, I, heard, I had a pretty, I guess, typical childhood aside from all the hospitalizations and how my disability has impacted my childhood. I went to school. I had 
you know, interactions with friends. I had friends at school. So, yeah, as the years progressed, my parents learned how to take care of me to keep me out of the hospital. We got the equipment we needed, and ultimately, things just uh, got better as time went on. Thanks for sharing some of your background history and to feel like, you know, you kind of just want to be a child and kind of just integrate and assimilate with a lot of the other kids. And I know that was like growing up. My progression didn't really start hitting until I was in high school. But during that time in high school, I was like, you know, sometimes I kind of just want to feel like I want to just go out and like run around just like with the other kids. Did you ever feel that growing up? Yeah, so I um, I never walked before, so I've been driving a wheelchair since the age of three years old. Or and I like to say rolling over people's feet at six <laughs> miles an hour yes. <laughs> with, pr- with pride. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, I would say 99% of the time, I typically am usually the only one in a wheelchair, whether it's in school or just out in public. So I did feel different, but at the same time, you know, I I train my mind to just always be positive and be grateful for whatever situation I'm in. So despite, you know, feeling sometimes left out at recess in elementary school while I see all my friends playing on the playground or playing soccer and I'm not able to partake in that kind of activity. I would just, you know, be grateful that at least I'm able to go to school and to have friends. So, yeah, I mean, it was definitely a struggle, but just try to have a positive outlook on it. Yeah, I think that's so important, having a positive outlook. But also, it's like we need to have the world to be built better um, and mindsets and attitudes changed to be more inclusive and understanding that okay, I don't want to just be a kid on the sidelines of the playground and not be able to at least roll with my wheelchair up the ramp, you know, uh, on the platform to be around the kids, you know. And I was talking a few episodes ago with a nonprofit organizer who leads inclusive playground designs. And I was like, wow, that's so interesting, right? How this shift of We've, I think we've come so far with disability inclusion is that, you know, it started out as Judy Human likes to say, you know, I was, I was a fire hazard and I couldn't attend school. It was illegal for me to do it basically. And now we're coming to, okay, well, let's start designing playgrounds to be more inclusively so all kids can start to play. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I think it's super important. And I honestly feel that any setting or any, you know, like a playground, I think every playground should be accessible for mm-hmm. all people, whether they're in wheelchairs or have any other type of disability or if they don't have a disability. It yeah. basically says that, you know, you matter. Like, as someone mm. with a disability, we want you to also have a good time and enjoy our playground. So when something isn't accessible, that's indirectly making a statement that you know what, we built this playground, but it wasn't really built for you. Like, you really just don't matter in this mm. in this setting. So, yeah, it, it it happens a lot, as I'm sure you know, and it can be, it, it is hurtful, but hopefully, you know, as time progresses, people 
can be more open-minded to make things more inclusive so we can just live in a world where everyone can enjoy that playground. And you're doing that right now, trying to change those mindsets and attitudes towards the disability community in your master's program. Talk about the disability club that you started. Yeah, so I'm currently an MBA student at the University of Florida. And it was actually Ew, great. gross. Go dogs. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have a little friendly rivalry going. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so during orientation, they were actually, you know, talking about all the student organizations that you can become involved with. And as they were going through the diversity and inclusion of different groups that they had, I noticed that they didn't have one for individuals with disabilities. So I, I basically reached out to the president and the vice president and I came up with the idea of, hey, we should have this part of the organization. So thankful, I'm very thankful that they were open to my idea. And I became the president and founder of, originally it was called the Differently Abled Club. But through my research and through learning you know, about disability advocacy and inclusion, I learned that that term can be offensive to individuals because it is a disability euphemism. So to create a more inclusive environment and club that all people can enjoy, we changed the name to the Gator MBA Ability Club. So I'm really excited about that. And yeah, kind just, of set the oh. stage for me for what kind of talks that you have, what kind of guests that you bring in. And what has been the reaction and the response to those who are allies, but also those who have disabilities that are part of the group? Of course, yes. We've had about four, four or five events so far. And some, some of our events were just a disability overview. So all the different types of disabilities and how to best serve as an ally. That was our first event, kind of just kick off the club. and. It had a very uh, positive, uh, we got positive feedback and positive reaction. We had another event about disability and language. So how to, you know, use inclusive language. And we also had an event last week about mental health. So it was just, you know, like a mental health workshop. I feel like there's a lot of emphasis on when people think of disability, they think of physical. But I feel like mental health is ignored, and I just thought it would be really important to bring up that topic. And of course, we were so thankful to have you as one of our guest speakers to talk about your experiences with your disability and just how to be a better advocate. It was a great event, and we really thank you so much for being a part of it. You're welcome. I'm so thankful to be a part of it and just kind of continue to share the lens that I experience and look through and my, I, it's a progressive, you know, I have muscular dystrophy just like you um, and, or I guess you have muscular atrophy. It's um, a little bit slightly different, but it's similar concept in that it's progressive over time and my life, what it was, at one point in time is not the same as it is today and it's still not going to be the same in a few years from now. And so 
why do you think that people should care about understanding and listening to other people's stories about disability? Well, first, disability is actually the largest minority group in the world at around, I think it's like 25%. So it's just so important to be inclusive to all people. And ultimately, a disability can happen at any point in one's life. So that, that also is just another reason why people should you know, be trained on how to be more inclusive and empathetic to individuals with disabilities. But above all, it's just the right thing to do. Like, as a humanitarian and a person in the world, just to be kind and caring and inclusive towards all people. I think if you just put the emphasis on that, that it's the right thing to do, there's really no more that you need to add to that. How do you feel that the conversations that you're having at the at the MBA group that you're leading, how is it propelled it in a way that's really exciting to you? Yeah, so I was originally I was, you know, curious to see like how our attendance and how the reaction was going to be with the creation of this club. I was curious to see like were we going to have a lot of people a part of the club were they interested in this. And I was actually very surprised that, you know, our attendance, we have more attendees than I would say the majority of the other clubs within the uh, NBA wow, Association. that's awesome. I love yeah, that. Yeah, so that's really encouraging that, like, people Good actually... disabled people. <laughs> yes, like, people actually want to learn and they want to do the right thing. And I think that should also be a testament that there's not really a whole lot of outlets out there for disability education. And maybe people are not really aware of the outlets that are available. So there's, there may be a disconnect. But I think people actually want to learn. And I'm happy that we were able to deliver this organization where students can learn and, and become a better ally for the disability community. That's so cool. I, I love to hear it. And obviously your MBA program is only so much time, right? You're not going to be there forever. So when you roll away into the next phase of your life, do you feel like that you really accomplished something there? And do you feel that you are going to leave a legacy that is going to continue? I I really hope so. I set the foundation for, you know, what the club could be. It, it, the club is only, I think, like six months old and we've already accomplished so much. I'm going to be graduating next year in May, so I don't really have a whole lot more time left. So hopefully there'll be, you know, other students uh, in the program that come after me that can just continue the progress that we made so far. I hope they outdo what I've done because, again, I've only had the club for six months and we created it from scratch. So I didn't even have that foundation of, you know, this is what we're going to do. It was just all fresh ideas. So I'm excited to see the, the next wave of students and what they bring to the club. Cool. I lo- love to hear it. I mean, it's also just the way that the disability movement happens, right? It starts 
it started back in, you know, probably the 70s, as far as we know, with Judy Human and um, the Black Panthers and that those organizations and, you know, continue throughout the years. We're seeing disability inclusion through other advocacy orgs and it's really creating this conversation around kind of like this civil rights 2.0, disability rights 2.0 movement. And I, I just think that's so cool that we're continuing to chip away at this iceberg of feeling discriminated against for so long. And people are actively wanting to listen to us and they want to help. They just don't know how. So what are some pieces of advice that you would give to our ally community to be better advocates for the disability community? Yeah, I would say it's definitely very important to actually talk to individuals who have disabilities and, and just listen to their experiences and how they wish, you know, things could change in terms of the outside community, how people can serve as their allies. I think that's always the best way to start, actually getting it right from the source. I mean, there's so many, you know, podcasts, like podcasts like yours, which that's definitely a great way to, you know, hear from other people who have disabilities and how to serve as their ally. Definitely there's books out there as well. Really, it's just education. Like, educate yourself on, you know, how to be the best person that you can be to a disability community. Yeah, I, I like it. Okay, going to kind of shift the conversation towards your experience. Because have you experienced college in person, but now you're doing your MBA all online? Is that right? Yeah. Is that right? Okay. Yes. So kind of talk to us about that dichotomy, having a disability and what that was like. Do you, have you found that the colleges that you and the universities that you're attending, have they been accommodating or uh, with, with having a disability, being in a virtual versus in-person environment? Or do you find that in-person has was better? Yeah, so I attended Florida Atlantic University for undergrad and I attended that fully in person and now I'm attending the University of Florida entirely virtually uh, remote so it's definitely a big you know shift between the two but I'm very thankful to say that both of my experiences at Florida Atlantic University and the University of Florida they've been very accommodating so at both universities I applied with the disability office to request the accommodations that I need. And thankfully, I, I would say 90% of the time, my professors are very accommodating and they're willing to provide me with any accommodations that I need because ultimately they want to create that good learning experience for me. So, yeah, I'm I love very to hear grateful. it. Yeah, that's really great to hear that the, the professors are very much accommodating. I struggled. So I went to the University of Georgia from 2011, 2015. In 2011, I mean, that was 10 years ago when I started. 
I think it was still very difficult to work with some of the professors. The University of Georgia has an incredible disability resource center. So that wasn't the problem. It was sometimes the professors had resistance and that was the problem. But it's really great to hear that, you know, 10 years, you know, eight to 10 years later, it's shifted to be more positive and more inclusive. Can you share some of the accommodations that you ask for in university? Yeah, so it, it's it's really, it's been different um, because of the virtual environment. So typically, when I'm in person, it's just a note taker during class to take all my notes. That's really the main in-class accommodation, besides also having like an accessible desk that I can use my laptop on. And then for exams, it's just uh, extra time being able to have uh, you know, like a private room or like a, you know, like an isolated space because I do use assistive technology, like Dragon, naturally speaking. I'm actually talking into the headset and it's typing out whatever I say. So because of that, I have to be completely alone when I'm taking my tests to not disrupt other students. But because things have been virtual now, I, in a way, kind of need less accommodations because... I'm watching all my classes online. They typically are recorded, so I'm able to watch them at my own pace, rewind, and take notes and pause. So now I don't really need that note taker as I would in the in-person classes. And then, yeah, for the exams, it's basically the same set of accommodations, just extra time for the exams. And at times we have issues with the proctoring system that they use is not, um, doesn't really work well with the assistive technology that I use. So sometimes I need my professors to bypass that. Interesting. A lot of the combinations that you're describing were very similar to what I had. I had a note taker in all my classes. I had extra time on tests. I had a private room and a accessible, more ergonomic friendly setup and had a desk or the front row seat in the stadium seating classrooms. And then the University of Georgia campus is very old in a lot of the buildings, especially the North Campus. And so those were some of my undergraduate, like first year classes. They were all on North Campus because they were like English and Spanish and kind of stuff. And they would move the classroom because there were no, was no elevator in those buildings and because they're historic. So that was something that was really cool because then they ended up moving it closer to where I lived, <laughs> more on the south side of the campus. So it it uh, was a good benefit. But that's interesting that um, didn't really think about how you have less accommodations being virtual because yeah, everything's recorded. So it's really nice. Cool. Love to hear it. Yeah, thank you. Okay. And then the other topic that I'd love to talk about is how COVID has impacted you and your disability and what are some of the accommodations and how you've been adaptive with the pandemic and what are your thoughts on the vaccine and waiting for that, not being prioritized, all the things. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I can't believe we're it's it's really been a year since we had to you know deal with COVID. Crazy, yeah. yeah. 
Well, like literally this time last year was the f- about the first week or so where they started saying, okay, we're going to start shutting down things. Yeah, I mean, funny story. I was actually supposed to go on a cruise with three of my family members the week that everything started shutting down. Oh, so, no. Yeah, so just a funny story. But hopefully we'll do that after COVID's over. But yeah, I mean, COVID's been, it's been tough. I've three months been home isolated for about a year now. I will only go like, you know, outside and do like car rides. And if I am seeing people, it's outside, you know, 10 feet apart with a mask on. And it can be difficult to communicate because, you know, sometimes it's difficult to hear people when they have the mask on. You know, sometimes people have trouble hearing me when they're 10 feet away and I have my mask on. So it can be challenging. But, you know, I feel like this time has been been great to really learn how to adapt and to still, you know, make those connections. So I've been using Zoom every day, FaceTime every day to, you know, communicate with my friends and family, to go to school. So, yeah, that's definitely been this uh, new introduction of, you know, a way to communicate virtually. It's definitely not the same as, you know, face-to-face and in-person connection. But I, I really hope that, you know, we will get through it. I know the vaccine is rolling out and the numbers are going down. Funny story of the vaccine, I actually received an appointment to get it last Monday. I show up and they basically denied me because I wasn't 65 and over and I wasn't a healthcare mm-hmm. worker. Yeah, so that was... That's so messed up. Yeah, but thankfully, there was another place that was offering it to people with medical conditions. So I was able to get it uh, last Thursday. So two days ago, I got the vaccine. That's awesome. And I have too. And um, that's really horrible to hear that you got an appointment, you showed up and the amount of effort that it takes to get someplace can be difficult. I don't have a car, so it's like, okay, I would have to coordinate sidewalk, bus, train, all the things. Yeah. And then being denied. And that takes, you know, an hour or so to get anywhere in, in the state of Atlanta. And then to be denied access, it's like, am I not disabled enough? <laughs> as bad as that is. Um, it's it's really unfortunate that we are not prioritized on the COVID vaccine list. And I know some states have made amendments to the 1A, 1B rollouts and have opened it up to allow for certain types of disabilities. I think in Georgia, they just opened it up to parents with children with disabilities. And then there was some other clause in there about disability but I went with my, my mom is a teacher and they just opened it up for teachers in Georgia. And she was like, Cardin, come with me because maybe by chance we can, you know, show your disability, the little uh, car 
hang tag placard that has the accessible parking. We could say that and show your wheelchair and look as if you're so helpless and that I'm your caretaker. And then, um, <laughs> but it worked and we got the, and I got, the, we both got the vaccine and it was awesome. So, awesome. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah, I think it's a, a problem that we have in the United States. Definitely. Uh, the yeah, vaccine I mean, is not being rolled out to everyone. Yeah, well, I feel like the situation, you know, they weren't really prepared for a pandemic. And I think that they're thinking, you know, on the fly, trying to, you know, get this vaccine rolled out. But yeah, it, it could have been done in a much more organized fashion. And it should have been more inclusive to individuals with medical conditions are at high risk. And not only individuals who, you know, have medical conditions, but also their family members in their household as well. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's very important that everyone in the household gets it. So right. yeah, it could have been better, but, you know, hopefully with time, with more production, that things will improve and get better. I'm hopeful that that will happen. Yes, I'm hopeful. And I think we just got approved in Georgia to have our big Mercedes-Benz Stadium, which is a beautiful stadium that was created a few years ago, hosted the Super Bowl a few years ago, and they just approved it to be a new vaccine site. And they're going to be, I think they said they're they're going to be doing 6,000 vaccines a day, which wow. is like ridiculously insane. That's awesome to hear it. And they said they're going to open it in the next few weeks. So I'm trying to get the second dose because I got the Pfizer one. And the place that we went to originally, they don't have any appointments for three weeks. Oh. And it kind of is messed up to think that... So you get the first vaccine, but you don't get priority to get a second vaccine. So if I, it feels like they're just trying to get everyone at least one vaccine so that they get at least, what is it, 50% immunity. And then it's kind of, well, whatever, whoever can get the second vaccine can get it. You just got to keep stalking the websites. But yeah, it's it's been kind of a cluster for a lot of people, but hopefully we're we're seeing the end of it. And I know the Johnson & Johnson one just got approved. That's a one-shot one vaccine. So yeah, it's it's hopeful. I think for a lot of people, it just would have been really nice to have disabilities because I mean, we have a lot of us are have chronic illness. A lot of us have issues that affect lung function, like muscular dystrophy and muscular atrophy definitely affect lung function. Yeah. I don't have great lung function and lung capacity. And so COVID really kills the lungs. Is, uh, it really affects the lungs. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I just too. have a lot of thoughts on it. <laughs> So. Yeah, no, I'm, uh, I'm hopeful that, you know, with the vaccine rollout, that things will get better. And, and hopefully, you know, this can also be a good learning lesson for everyone. Just how to have good hygiene and, you know, stay sanitary. Like, even before yeah. COVID, like, we were still very much cautious of germs because of my, you know, times in the hospital where... I was, you know, in the ICU with pneumonia. Mm. So we were very cautious of, you know, making sure everything is clean and 
I really don't stay like you know too close to people. I do like to keep a little bit of a distance just to have that you know barrier for any potential germs. I saw this uh, tweet this morning actually about how Netflix is pouring in. I think it was ten million dollars on disability inclusion. How do you feel about that? I think that's amazing. I think that, you know, in entertainment, very rarely do I see an individual with a physical, visible disability. And when there are movies or shows that, you know, the character does have a disability, it's typically played by someone who doesn't. So, yeah, yeah, I, I, I love it. I would love to see more companies more entertainment companies make a commitment to having, you know, people with disabilities as actors and actresses and also behind the scenes as well. Yeah, I think it's great to have that representation because I think the whole problem with, you know, the community is that a lot of people are not really exposed to individuals with disabilities in their day-to-day, like, on TV or the shows they watch. So I think having more representation in their day-to-day life can help. Mm-hmm. And I think we're making progress and things aren't going to be perfect, but we just need to keep striving to make things better. Yeah. It starts with companies that are in the limelight to really push that change and others will follow. As much as you want everyone to to be that leader, it's not always the case. So it's great to see that a company such as Netflix is working to they recognize the problem and they're working to to change that, which is really awesome. Yeah, man, I think it's big news. But you know, I'm excited to see the the outcome of you know. Okay, so they're looking to you know push ten million dollars for. Uh, disability representation, but now yeah. I want I want to actually see like what movies and what shows like are they going to put out? Like I'm I'm excited for that. Yeah, I mean I would like to see it's a combination of visible and invisible disabilities, and not portraying disabled characters as a pity story or a charity story or sickly and they're dying and it's a tragedy at the end because that seems to be the common uh, narrative or as we all need caretakers and we're helpless. And I mean, take a look at uh, just, what was it? I, me before you. Uh, yeah. and, and then there was, a, that was a tragic story of someone so angry at their disability and, wanted no didn't want to be a place in the world they wanted to die and it's like not everyone feels that way who's disabled but that's the narrative that you're setting is that it is a horrible reality to have a disability and that's not the case for everyone so right and and, and think about it from like let's say I'm a person and I don't really have a lot of exposure to people with disabilities and I watched the movie Me Before You. And this is like the only kind of like education about disability that I'm going to have. <laughs> and it's about an individual who is so 
of some of his life that he ultimately doesn't want to live anymore. Like, that's just such yeah. a bad, a bad it, it adds like a bad signal to disabilities. So, yeah, I'm uh, looking forward to seeing what Netflix does. And I also think it's really important if they start including disability in their movies and shows, that it's a secondary. So if a character does have a disability, I, I really don't want to see the focus be on, like you said, like the caregiving aspect and the disability itself. I want to see an emphasis on the person, like their qualities, mm. what they like to do, and have the disability be secondary to that. Mm. I think that's person really first. Absolutely, always. Yeah. Always. If you haven't seen the Netflix series In the Dark, it is about a blind woman. However, the the actual actress is not blind in real life. So a little bit of a not so great there. The supporting actress actually is blind in real life and they both use walking canes. The way that they... I guess have her character develop it. Character development, I think, is incredible. The the main character, and they show the person first, and she is such like I don't give a crap about anything and anything, and blindness is secondary, and but it it creates it so that you can see the challenges that she does go through on a day-to-day basis, but it's normalized and that, you know, this is just her life and this is how she gets around and does things. And she just doesn't care about people. And she is, has an alcohol issue and gets involved with some bad people and some drug dealers and all that. It's kind of a a very interesting story. Um, It's a little funny, but but no, I I think that's probably the first one that I've seen where the disability comes second. But it's shown in a way that, you know, the disability is there, it's part of our life, but it's not the primary focus. And that's what I like about it. Yes, I mean, it sounds like a great show. I have to check it out. And <laughs> kind of, in my opinion, it kind of goes south a little bit. After, oh, really? after, um, I, I think there's two seasons maybe, but in the second season, I was like, all right, you guys are so involved with drug dealers now. And like, they've dug themselves their own grave and they can't get out. And it's, it's kind of funny. Um, but the first season I thought was really great. I was like, oh, this is interesting. I can get down with this, but yeah, more disabled characters playing disabled roles. And that's, that is totally possible. There's a lot of people out there with disabilities. And the other thing about it is you're asking, you know, what are some of the what are some of the movies and the narratives that are going to be play, portrayed for those characters? And you know, if it's I, I want to see like a disabled character behind the stage waiting to go out on it and is going to receive an award or I don't know, some of those things that you would not think that someone with a disability would be included in, and they are. For sure. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, no, I agree. And I think, you know, people with disabilities, they live typical lives. I mean, look, we, you know, have fun, we go out, we have, you know, good times, and I feel like that needs to be 
portrayed and represented in these movies and shows, and not just, you know, people with disabilities who are at home, sad, and depressed. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm sure there are people with disabilities that feel that way, but that doesn't represent the entire disability community. Mm-hmm. Someone asked me this the other day, and I want to ask you. Yeah. <laughs> And it's pretty intrusive, but um, just this random stranger just asked me, do you wish you weren't disabled? And I was like, who are you? <laughs> like, why are you asking me that? I don't even know you. <laughs> do you wish wow. you weren't disabled, John? That's a good question. Um, I would say this, that I have a great life and my disability has taught me a lot. It's taught mm-hmm. me to, you know, be patient, to persevere against obstacles, to be adaptive. So honestly, I don't think I would change anything if I, if I could, let's say, have a wish where I would not have a disability anymore. I honestly think that I would like to just continue my life the way it is because also so many great people have come into my life. Because yeah. of my disability. Like, I can't even. Yeah, like me. I know. I'm pretty great. <laughs> no, no, I hope we still learned that even without that. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly. That's a great answer, John. I like it. That's what I was hoping to hear. And yeah, I feel the same way. I'm like, I wouldn't want it any other way. Yeah, and like, I wouldn't say like my, my, my disability is who I am. But I think it kind of helps shape the person I've become. And who I'm striving to ultimately be in the world. And that's mm. just someone who wants to give back and help others. And I think that's really because as someone who has a disability and needs to receive that care and that help from others, it's, it's basically mainly motivated to help others as well. Mm. And I don't know if I've ever would have learned that lesson or if I would have gotten that, if I didn't have a disability. So if my disability can ultimately help other people in in their lives, then it's it's worth it. Nice. Thank you. I appreciate you saying that. It's a a great answer. That's a great question. (laughs) (laughs) I get the most absurd questions when I'm out at the grocery store or when I'm I go to two places. That is the grocery store and the park. And those are the only two places I've been in a very long time. Um, Yeah, I get the most absurd questions all the time. I feel like, I don't know why do I come across as someone that should be asked those questions. I don't know. What's the most absurd question that you ever got? That's definitely up there. Do you wish that you weren't disabled? And I'm like, like, why did you even think that? Why did you think to ask someone that you have no idea about? Maybe because it's like the chances of me ever seeing that person again is probably very low. And I didn't know their name. I don't know who they are. Maybe. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Um, I've also gotten things like, oh, you know, things like I'll pray for you and so that you can walk again and not, um, I I have a, a magic healer that I can set you up with and they can, help cure things and like I don't I don't want to be pray for the ally community to be better supporters 
of yeah. us and to help remove barriers in the world. Put your prayers there. Don't try and pray for me <laughs> to fix my disease. Not that I don't wish for, it's not that I don't want the progression to stop because I, I personally don't want to continue progressing. It just gets more and more complicated and more and more expensive. And, you know, I would like the progression to stop. So I am looking for a cure and that's coming in the next six years or so. And I guess that kind of reminds me of SMA. I know a friend at work is getting the uh, SMA drug. Have you? Yeah, there's actually three. There's three. Oh, wow. There's three. Oh, my. Yes, there's three SMA from treatments. Yes. Are you Do you have any of those or access to those? She has gone through just a whirlwind of fighting insurance and it's expensive and just it's been it's been really sad to to see that yeah i'm very fortunate to um i was on the first ever approved treatment cool. called spinraza so, yep, yeah spinraza i've heard that mm-hmm. and now there's a new treatment that came out last august Rusiflam, and now i'm on that one and that's, what's it called uh Rusiflam. So basically, Sinraza was like intrabecal injections into mm-hmm. the spine. And that and now, was painful, right? I told yeah. me some really bad spinal headaches of, and it was like every eight weeks or so, and it was so miserable. Yeah, it was definitely a pretty intense. But now with Risiplam, that's basically an oral medication that I take every day. Whoa, so, totally transformative. That's incredible. Yeah. And I'm seeing the results and seeing the Yay. benefits. So yeah, I'm I'm happy and I'm really excited to, you know, see the future of what SMA is oh, going wow. to look like down the road because that's so cool. Four years ago there was no FDA treatments available. Mm-hmm. And now there's three. So I'm excited. What are some of the benefits that you've seen? And how how long have you been taking that or the drugs entirely? Yeah, so I began my first uh, treatment in September of, no, actually, I'm sorry. It was November of 2017. So, yeah, oh, a few years. Okay. Yeah, and I've noticed some great improvements, strength in my arms and hands. So, like, I would say about 10 years ago or so, I lost the ability to put my own hand on my joystick to drive my wheelchair. Mm-hmm. And I got that function back a few months after taking Sinulaza. Oh my goodness, that's incredible. Yeah. Just and the little things, right? To just the little things. Be independent. Being, yeah, being able to like move my hand like three inches. Like that's huge. Mm-hmm. Like that's life changing. Um, that's so cool. Yeah, just increased stamina, being able to swallow better, to breathe better. Mm-hmm. Like I would say before my treatments, like, I wouldn't be able to, like, talk, like, nonstop for more than, like, three minutes. Because like, it's exhausting. Like, yeah. We're, like, now, like, we've been talking, like, almost an hour, and, like, I feel fine. Like, I'm not, like, out of breath or struggling to talk. So that's definitely a, a big benefit from the treatment, and I'm very grateful. Yeah, I noticed when I do hour-long presentations... I get really winded and I'm like, okay, am I breathing too hard? <laughs> so yeah, I really have to pace myself and take some breaks. And 
allow, I, I've noticed now and when I do presentations on disability etiquette, when I say, okay, now audience, answer a question, put it, give me, you know, and that's two or three minutes that allows me to just like catch a breath <laughs> yeah. and not feel so winded. So yeah, I, I definitely feel the the lung impacts and that's been more recent in the last year with the MD. So yeah, that's, it's really great. Just, oh, wow. That makes me so happy to hear that for you. Thank you. Yay. And again, it's like, you're not, you're, or how do you feel about, I don't know if anyone's asked you this and I really hate this question, but people always ask me like, oh, well, when you get cured, do you see yourself running again? And I'm like, "Mm, don't think so. (laughs) Maybe (laughs) that would probably be like 20 years of treatment. I feel like. Yeah. Personally, I think I've come to terms where I'm probably never have that ability to walk or to not use a wheelchair. I've come to terms with that throughout my life and you know i'm happy with whatever yeah. whatever happens I'm, I'm going to accept it and take it and make the best of it because there's so much more to life than just sitting around wondering like oh am i oh ever gonna walk like <laughs> i i don't, don't want to yeah. waste i don't want to waste time and waste years of my life hoping for something that may never happen so I got better things to do than that, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> we got better things. We got we got people's mindsets to change. <laughs> yeah. Okay, awesome. John, this has been such an incredible conversation. I really appreciate your honesty and we talked all about COVID and your abilities club and representation. So many things. And then treatments and how that view is on the disability community. So I really appreciate wow. it. Thank you so much, Gordon. I'm so grateful and honored to be on your podcast. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. All right, we'll chat later. Bye. All right. Thank you, Gordon. Bye. Thank you, friends, for listening. Please rate and follow this podcast or text Gordon at 470-588-1215 with comments and suggestions. Tune in next week for another disability topic.